The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of. From getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome, we've become a force to reckon with. Indie authors now wear more hats than ever as we strive to create a career full of meaning, prosperity, and potential. We've juggled the demands and continue to be rebels in the face of adversity. Now, after years of hearing the shouts of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place are the seeds of a better way to rapid release. A way that feels incredible as we build a sustainable, lifelong author career that not only increases our visibility and royalties, but it's all done with intention and ease. If you're ready to buck the system and become the visionary authorpreneur I know you're meant to be, you've come to the right place. I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast, my friend. I am so glad you're here this week. We have a really fun interview that I think you're going to enjoy a lot. So the woman who I am speaking with this week, her name is Speeway Jefferson, and she's one of those amazing women that you meet in person and you just go, I need to know that person better. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I met Speeway in October of last year, so October 2021 at the Lakes Area Writers Alliance, when we had our yearly conference. And so she came in and she was there to take part in the the conference and everything that was going on for that. And we ended up striking up a conversation and just kind of hit it off from there. So what ended up happening was I was really interested in everything that she's doing. She's written an incredibly awesome book. And we'll be talking about that in this podcast episode, actually. But she has a lot of mindset techniques that are very similar to my own. But she's just overall a really wonderful lady and someone who I knew I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more from and just kind of hang out in her presence with. And now I invited her over to the Author Revolution podcast because she has some tips and techniques that are going to benefit you when it comes to learning how to calm the seas of your mind. So we've been talking an awful lot lately about the millionaire author mindset, but with this particular podcast episode, we're going to be talking about mindset in general and why it's so important to be working on that internal dialogue and how to do it when it feels like it's a little bit difficult or a little bit more challenging, maybe because you don't have much time or whatever the case might be. So that's where Speedway comes in. She's got a podcast. She has a book that is going to be blowing your mind. I have the book and I have been reading it. It's fantastic, by the way. So I do recommend you get it. It is called Mindful in Five. And I want you to just sit back, relax, and have a listen to everything that we're going to talk about today. It's going to be awesome. So let's hop to it. Well, hi there, Speedway. Thank you so much for coming on to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. So I spoke in the introduction a little bit about how we met, and I'm hoping that maybe you could tell my audience a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do. Absolutely, Carissa. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I love the content that you put out, and it is thoughtful, it is helpful, and I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you. So a bit about me, like I'm guessing most of your listeners, I suspect, I wear a variety of hats. I am a lawyer. I serve as deputy general counsel of a leading curriculum and assessment company. In addition, I'm a certified mindfulness practitioner, and my mission is to help people apply mindfulness meditation to the challenges of everyday life and do it in bite-sized episodes because most people just don't have a lot of time to do much more than that. I'm also the mom of children and pets. I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a sister, and all the other things that come up in any given day. Nice. I love that so much. You do so many wonderful things. And when I first read that you were a lawyer on top of it, I'm like, holy cow, how is she handling all of these crazy things? (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So 
you've recently, I think it's pretty recently, right? Um, written a book called Mind of Hole and Five, which obviously is like the big deal, which is amazing. But you also have a podcast by that name. So I'm curious, which came first? Like chicken, egg, book, podcast? How did that start? Well, actually, you know what? So, and I say this, if there are budding writers out there, <laughs> this might be helpful for you. But actually, what really came first was a whole nother work of fiction. So I was writing a fiction book and I felt like I wasn't qualified as a writer to really get it out there in the quality that I wanted. So I went off and I hired a writing coach and my writing coach said, start practicing, put out emails on a weekly basis. And so out came these emails and I talked to my friends. We called it mindful momentum. How are we going to get you some mindful momentum? So off go the emails. And about a year later, she says to me, well, why don't you compose all of your emails into a book? And that's how the Mindful in Five book was oh, born. Wow. Meanwhile, it's turned from Mindful Momentum to Mindful in Five because everybody, all my friends were like, oh, what a great idea. I just don't have time. And I was like, <laughs> five minutes. Can you just start with five minutes? Yes, I can start with five minutes. So then it was Mindful in Five. And then after the book was published, I got to thinking, you know, I'm not much of a reader outside of work. I read so much that when I consume content for fun, I actually prefer to listen. So then I thought, well, I don't even want to read my own emails. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I should listen to my emails. And so that's how the podcast was born, because I wanted for me the flexibility, and I also wanted to give flexibility to all of my other busy readers who might prefer to listen on their way to and from the gym and around town. So that's how the podcast was born. That is so amazing. I love that so much. And it seems to be the way a lot of really insightful things are going. I've seen a lot of different authors kind of pulling in this almost like five minute bite sized chunk get your mindset right, and then move on. And I love that concept because like you said, we are all so busy doing so many different things. And it's like, yeah. how do you capture that if you're not like, hey man, it's quick, it's super quick, just do this thing and you're gonna really, really grow and benefit from it. So I think it's just an amazing concept. I really love it a lot. Thank you. So, well, obviously you've explained how that happened, but what, what really inspired that process of it? I mean, I know that you, you wanted to start getting clearer on, on your writing style, but what drew you into mindset work? Well, so here's the thing. Back in 2005, I got it. A friend introduced me to mindfulness meditation. And I learned it through a religious organization that had its roots in Hinduism. So I'm still uh, a member of that organization to this day, but I'm not a Hindu. And therefore, there were just some of the, the concepts some of sort of the acculturation of the practice that were just not applicable to me. So on the one hand, I was thinking, well, gosh, can I, should I refer people who want to learn how to meditate? And I thought, no, not that, not unless they're sort of spiritually aligned to the practice, because it was, you know, it was a struggle to sort of figure out my own spirituality and, and strengthen my own sort of sense of where I land, in addition to just extracting the tools and the concepts that I found really helpful. So I thought, well, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that somebody else go through that. It was right for me, and I loved it, but that was my journey. So then I was thinking, gosh, you know, somebody ought to write a book <laughs> about uh, not just <laughs> mindfulness generally, because there are a ton of books and they're even more today than there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right? Absolutely. Ton of books on mindfulness. But here's the thing though, between the time I started practicing and let's call it 2021, I went through all of these life changes. I got divorced. I got remarried. I moved to Chicago for work. I moved back to Minnesota for my kids. Um, <laughs> I lost both my parents between 2008 and 2021. I acquired three kids through marriage, in addition to the two that I gave birth to, right? Yes, so yes. all these big life changes. And for me, mindfulness meditation was kind of what really held me together, especially in that low, in the low points, like the divorce and the deaths. 
it was really helpful. And so I would crack open a mindfulness book and it was like, here's how to eat a raisin. And I was like, no, 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 no. My life is falling apart right now. I don't need to know how to eat a raisin. I need to know, <laughs> I need to know how I'm going to apply mindfulness to this situation, right? And then you're getting married. It's like, this is great. How am I going to apply mindfulness so that I can prolong that season that I'm so delighted to be in, right? And so that was really why I wrote the book, because I'm looking around, I'm looking around, I'm like, where is that book? Um, and I couldn't find it. And also, I had a favorite, one of my favorite books of all time is Who Moved My Cheats. And yes. have you read it? I have, yeah. Yeah, so you know. It's, it's for those of you who haven't read it, I, I don't know Dr. Spencer Johnson. I, he hasn't paid me to say this. I just love this book. And I bought so many of them so I could give them away. I thought it was that good a book. But it's a book about how we process change. And it's written not in lecture style, but it's an allegory about these two little people and these two little mice who live in this maze and they live at this cheese station C. And so I thought that was a brilliant way to teach people a really useful skill. And I wanted to do something similar. And so that was why I created Mindful in Five in the spirit of these characters who are going through divorce and empty nesters and financial issues and how they process through that change and how they use mindfulness meditation is really the blueprint for how you can apply it in your own life. And that's how Mindful in Five was born. I love that so much. And I think I, especially indie authors, I mean, everyone in general would benefit from that. But I think indie authors too, I was just talking with Emma Desi over on her podcast this morning, and we were talking about how indie authors, they really have almost this ingrained poverty mindset as they're coming into their their careers. And they don't really, you know, they want to have this book that's amazing. And they want to do this, you know, thing, and they want to write it down and get it out in the world. But their initial thought process doesn't go anywhere beyond that. And so they really don't think much about investing in themselves, investing in their mindset, investing in their careers, you know, any of it. And so, you know, trying to help them shift from, from that beginning place. And sometimes they're going through those big things like divorce and remarriage and, you know, all this stuff. And that's part of the reason why they're doing the writing because it's heavy in their heart or their mind and writing is their release. And so they're creating fiction worlds. They're creating nonfiction worlds for it. And it's just, I think we as a community of people in general are really starting to understand how mindset is so powerful for yeah. that transformation from going from where you feel almost stuck or, you know, deep in that hole to where you ultimately want to become and grow into. So I, I think it's amazing. And, you know, just the recognition that you are stuck in the first place, right? Yeah. Because sometimes people have, you know, people get stuck and don't see it. Yeah. And I, I remember running into at a, at a meditation retreat, I ran into this woman and I've never forgotten her because she was sort of the quintessential example of how we get stuck and don't see it. And this woman, we got to talking and she had all these great ideas. She had like this business idea she wanted to pursue. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. You should totally do that. And she said, well, I can't because I was molested as a child. Now, she looked to me to be in about her 40s. And I was like, oh, I am so sorry to hear that. How awful for you. And I empathized and we talked about it. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. And so then we talk about something else that she had in mind to do. And I said, oh, what a great idea. You should totally pursue that. And she was like, no, no, because you see, I was molested as a child. And that was the whole conversation went. And, and it was like all these things that she had inside her that would have been absolutely amazing had she pursued them. But in her mind, she was just stuck in that place of, this horrible thing happened to me when I was a child, and I just can't move forward. She couldn't get past it. She couldn't get through it. She, she just, and, and she couldn't, I felt like she couldn't see, and I'm not qualified to do anything professionally, right? So I'm just listening and observing how she's showing up. But it was like, 
she couldn't see that she was stuck. She couldn't see the life that 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 incident had taken from her. And she couldn't like wrap her head around to get to the point of saying, I refuse to allow that person to take the power that I have today and all that I could be today. And so she just stayed there. And in my head, I just thought, gosh, this is so unfortunate that I I, I just couldn't, you know, all the encouragement in the world was not going to move her off this place of this happened, therefore I can't. And that's how we get stuck. And I feel like all of us, that was just a stark example, but I think all of us get stuck in these places where we ruminate, right? We've all done it. I can't believe so-and-so did this thing to me. I can't believe Right. And then yes. you are just like bitter and you're like, hmm, and you're, and you're wishing all this ill on them. Meanwhile, they're like, doo, 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 doo. And, this, good. and you're like, hmm. and it's, it's only hurting you, right? Yes. So mindfulness is about first just recognize that this is what's happening inside you, right? Recognize that you're ruminating about this thing and find a way to let it go so that you can move through it. To all those things that you can do and be if you are just freed from these sort of negative thought habits that get you down. Absolutely. I think that's that's a critical component too to making your destiny, no matter what it is, come into fruition. If you don't stop to look at the limiting beliefs that you're holding on to that are keeping you stuck. And sometimes, like you said, they're they're blocks that you can't even see because they've become so much a part of your belief structure that you can't imagine seeing around them. You know what I mean? And so until someone says, well, why does it have to be that way? And you go, I don't know. I'm not quite sure why that has to be that way. Until you actually look at it with clear eyes, you can't see it for what it is. And that's that's the whole point of mindfulness meditation, right? It's, you know, there, there are all these scientific studies that demonstrate that it reduces stress. It has all these um, beneficial, like real scientific benefits. But part of the reason it's so helpful, I think, is also because it, it helps you do that for yourself, right? Sometimes we're not, we're not open to other people telling us, right? You're stuck. It's like, leave me alone. I'm not stuck. I can't believe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how dare <are> you? <laughs> this yeah. is how we react, right? And so mindfulness is about just sort of separating your thoughts, your feelings, from that higher consciousness, the you that can observe. And I like to tell people, it's like, for everybody who's ever been married, I am almost sure that most of us have had this situation. I did this in my first marriage when I didn't know better, where you're involved in a fight with your spouse and you know it's a stupid fight. Mm -hmm. And what that (laughs) means is there's a part of you that's like, you know, this is a really stupid fight, right? And then there's another part of you that's like, so the fact that you can like observe yourself, mindfulness is, and, and meditation really is about strengthening that ability to observe your thoughts, your feelings. So instead of, I am angry in this moment, and then it sort of consumes you and you're sort of drowning in it. It's the ability to say, oh, anger is here. And to examine that, what made me, is it really angry? Am I really angry or am I really hurt? Am I really angry or is there something else that's going on within me? And if I can identify it, I can sort of start to look at it. Then I can start to make some more logical decisions about, does it benefit me? Does it really serve me in this moment? Or do I want to do something different with it? Like, let it go and go do something else. Right. So this is this is the this is the goal of mindfulness meditation is to get you to that place where no matter what comes at you, you are not reactive in the way that you used to be. You can be like, oh, this happened. So this is how I'm going to process through it. And you can be intentional about it. Absolutely. And I think that's really crucial too. Like, you know, as indie authors, for example, we have so many things that are coming at us um, that we, I think when we first start, we don't realize we have to do like, who told us we have to do all this social media stuff. And why do I have to understand keywords and then like learn how to do a blurb or like, why, why do I have to market this thing? You know? 
And it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to handle. And so there's, there's those moments where you could get overwhelmed and stressed and burn out from it all. Or you could just be like, okay, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. Or that's interesting that I'm so anxious about it. What's the deal with that? So when you look at it from more of a almost curiosity or whatever perspective, it helps you yes. to not, I guess, bunch up in the energy and, and get yourself stuck <laughs> again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of publishing though, how did you end up publishing your Mindful in Five book? Is it indie published or did you traditionally publish it? Well, I indie published it. Wonderful. I, well, yeah. Well, well, I looked at both options, right? And as a lawyer, I care very much about the ownership of intellectual property. And so one of the biggest reasons I chose to indie publish was because I wanted to own the trademark for the Mindful in Five series. So I called up my trademark lawyer friend and (laughs) he helped me apply for the trademark because I'm not an IP lawyer. Just because you're a lawyer doesn't mean you know all things, right? It's a bit like, you know, sometimes people come to me and I say, it's a bit like going to a foot doctor with a headache. Uh, I don't know. Take some Tylenol? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And so so I, I wanted to own the trademark for the book series because I have this whole plan about what the series is going to be. And I also wanted to own the copyright to the book. I wanted to own the design elements and I wanted to keep the ultimate decision-making power over the book because I have a very specific vision for what I want this book to be. And so these, these are sort of the highfalutin reasons I can give you for, you know, yes, this is why I, you know, but the other reason, practically speaking, is it's really difficult for a first-time author to get a traditional book deal, period period, much less one that is good enough to make it worth signing away some of that control and that power. And I personally have a huge amount of respect for authors who go the traditional route because in some ways, the, the sort of the barrier to entry, the hurdle to actually get that kind of contract is really difficult. So Indie was right for me, though, for all of those reasons. So I Indie published. In some ways, I feel like it's, it's harder as a, as a barrier to entry on the traditional side, but I feel like Indie publishing is harder just all the way around because <laughs> you're doing all this stuff yourself. I could relate to that. The learning sure. as you said, for all those things yourself. And uh, so I, I, I have a plan and I, I'm executing like plan 2.0 of my indie strategy. Yeah, we could talk about that, but you know, it, it is not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. And see, you know this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So how has that indie process looked like for you? Like when you first started, how has the, the plan evolved as you've gone forward? Okay, so there are two words. <laughs> That describe my indie publishing experience. <laughs> curve over at hills and hills. <laughs> valleys and valleys. Sometimes you're in the submarine just like, how I find my way out? I can relate to that. I can totally relate to that. Lots and lots of learning. So, um, because, and it's, it's kind of a funny thing, because I feel like it's a good thing we don't know the future, because if I had known how much I'd have to learn and how much work I'd have to do, I might not have done the thing. Because <laughs> I just, I was just like, I have this, I have this book inside of me and I want to teach people how to make it. Yeah, well, yes. so I had to learn how to write, because it's one thing to conceive of it. It's another thing to write well. So yes. here came the workshops and the coaches. Then I had to learn how to write better more workshops and coaching. Then I had to self-edit because before that book is even worthy of sharing with anybody outside of you, you have to do as much as you can, in my opinion, to to try and get it to a level where people don't just crack it open and be like, you know, you're wasting my time, right? (laughs) (laughs) I do understand that. Had to do that. So then I had to buy books on self-editing and I had to listen to books on self-editing, more workshops. 
And the, the best thing that I think I did was because I went to all the workshops and because I started to sort of understand all of the things I did not appreciate and understand, I hired my writing coach. So I thought, now, where, where does one get a good writing coach? I know. Jack Canfield organization, which is where I went. And Jack Canfield has sold like what, half a, over half a billion books. Just a um, couple. Chicken yeah, soup, just, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and for those of you who might be thinking, oh, why does that name sound familiar? Jack Canfield is a genius who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, that whole series. And I thought, well, they ought to know a thing or two about writing. And I'd, I, too, would someday like to sell half a billion books. Absolutely. So I'm going to go get a writing coach. So I got this writing coach. Her name is Michelle Van de Pass, and she was an absolute angel for me. She owns her own publishing company called Grace Point Publishing. But the thing that Michelle did for me was, she was that voice that came alongside me at every step and said, okay, now you need some emails to keep engagement, which is how the emails were born. Now you need to do this and this with your book. Now you need to go find the beta readers. Oh, wait, you're not ready. Now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so she was a lifesaver. And, and so she was the one who ultimately helped me create the concept of Mindful in Five that created the book. Once the book was published, and then she also, her company also helped me to self-publish. So I set up my own KDP account. I set up my own Ingram account. And I was like, fantastic. Um, but then I immediately ran into, so the book gets published. Woohoo! Huge <laughs> milestone, right? I'm so right. excited. August of last year, the first Mindful in Five book came out. I was just thrilled to bits. Then came the problem, right? So now you have the book. I get my first copy from Amazon. I am so excited. I can touch it. I can feel this is great until you immediately run into, so now how are you going to market this book? Uh, okay, so I told my friends. <laughs> they pulled the book. And I, I told my, you know, my followers, they got the book. Now what? So... That was the next sort of thing, because then I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I have a full-time job, so I'm not, and I don't have the contacts, right? I don't have the network. I don't have the people. I don't have the things, all the things. So I, I kind of cheated. Uh, I went and I signed a deal with Archway Publishing. So are you familiar with Archway? I am not, no. Ah, so for all of you listeners who don't know about Archway, <laughs> let me just school you on this plan because I feel like it was a genius move. We'll see. So Archway is the self-publishing arm of Simon & Schuster. Who knew oh, that nice. these publishing companies had self-publishing components? Yes. So um, I got to keep all my stuff. Nice. <laughs> However... Uh, I get to plug into the Simon & Schuster distribution network, which is huge. And so we are currently working on the second edition of Mindful in Five. And so it gets run through their editors. And I was really kind of in love with my book design, right? The coffee cup. And I was like, oh, it's so clean. It's so lovely. Yeah. Well, turns out that the specs that they used didn't match the specs for my original cover. So we have to create a new cover. Okay. And I was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of attached to my cover. Um, but as I said, I own the trademark, right? So the, the, the title is actually a logo. And I thought, I just pick a, a different coffee cup. So I, I, I feel like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. Right. So it is, it is my hope then that the Archway distribution, the Simon & Schuster distribution network is going to carry the book to all of the places, or at least more of the places where I just, I just could not get access to by myself. So this is my, my sort of self-publishing journey. So it ended up feeling more like a hybrid model, but if right. there's... Probably one thing I would say to anybody who's thinking about publishing a book is don't feel like you have to do every single step yourself. I did not design the book cover myself. I had ideas. Um, I did not design the logo myself. I had ideas. And then I hired people 
to create the vision of what I was trying to do, but knowing where to find help and when to plug into other professionals who do this for a living, I think is probably the best thing that you can do as an author. Absolutely. Having said that, Carissa, I'm not sure how you published your first book because now you've got, you know, bunch of books out. And I don't know if you would say something different by way of advice for that first book. Absolutely not. If you have the means to go into it as you're, you're going to go forward and go on with it, meaning that you can treat it like a business as soon as you hit the gate. I think that's super important because not only do you start yourself off on the right foot, but it's going to give you that like encouragement and that mindset of knowing that you can go ahead and ask for help and bring in the people who are there to really next level you in ways that you can't do for yourself. I personally, myself, I, I went to school for graphic design. So when it comes to the cover, that was, that was all me anyway, because I love to do that. So it's kind of like a, a break between the writing side. It's like different parts of the brain, right? I, I get to do the writing. And then the art side is more of my playful, fun, you know, mess around with like the, the ways I can create this thing visually. So I did a lot of that myself, but I did hire editors and I did eventually hire PAs so that they, my PA can help me with different aspects of the business. I think mm-hmm. it's so important to, to know when it's time to outsource certain pieces of it and treat it like the business that it really is, especially if you want to move forward and have a, a long-term career in your writing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I, I love the fact that you do meditations along with all of this and you have it not, you have a whole bunch of them on your website and also on your YouTube channel. And so I was just curious if someone's struggling with their mindset right now, and they're wanting to, to kind of start somewhere, do you have a meditation that you would recommend on your site that they should start with? I do, you know, and I'm not even sure if it's on the website anymore. Maybe I'll put it on the website after we're done. So it's easier to find, but It's sort of an intro intention setting exercise. So when you go to the website, I think I'll call it setting intentions. The two things I would recommend for anybody who's trying to get their meditation process going is first, just understand that this is not a destination. It is a process. There's a reason why they call it a meditation practice, because you are always practicing. And understand that you will have days when your mind is just going to wander. And you will have days, if you've never done it, you know, sitting in silence for even two minutes is a lot. So five minutes is a lot. So there are, there are guided meditations on the website. If you go to YouTube and you look up my name, Stuart Jefferson, Uh, or you look up the title of the book, but if you do it on YouTube, you have to do it in quotation marks because there's lots of mindful things that will come up. So you have to put mindful in five in quotes and you will see all of the guided meditations. But my, my suggestion is if you've never done it, just start from where you are, right? Pick a spot, sit down, And set your alarm clock because that will stop you from feeling like, oh gosh, this is taking so long. (laughs) I say set your alarm for either two to five minutes, no longer than five minutes, because five minutes is going to be a long time. And start with a tension exercise. And I love the tension exercise. There's a guided meditation on the tension exercise, but it's it's the way that you can sort of plug into your body and how you're feeling, especially if you work like at a desk a lot all day and you're not really that ambulatory and you don't move around very much. And the tension exercise is just inhaling and exhaling. But when you inhale, I want you to identify within your body every muscle that you can find, right? You got your eyes closed, you inhale and you tense every muscle you can find. You clench your fists, you curl your toes, you You tense your calves, your thighs, your booty, your stomach, all of the things, your chest, your neck, you scrunch up your face, right? Because you're tensing every, every muscle you can find. And then when you exhale, you just let all of that flow out of you. Watch all of that tension flow out. And then you do that. Uh, Usually I like to do it two to three times because what happens is with each successive time, you're like, oh, wait. I don't think I identified my calf 
And then you tense a few more muscles that you find and it helps you get plugged in, but it also helps you to reduce and release tension in places like your shoulders, where a lot of people carry tension that you don't even recognize. So some people carry tension in parts of their face. Like I carry tension sometimes in my chin. And so it's weird where these muscles live. And so I I recommend just do that. If you do nothing else, just practice that. And then you can start to think about, you know, what do I want to do this day? And when you think about setting your intentions for the day, it's not about, well, if my kid over here would behave, it would be great. If that (laughs) raggedy spouse of mine would do blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's just about you. And how am I going to show up? Even if everything just goes haywire today, even if I'm trying to leave and I'm late for work and the kids are squawking and they have one gear turtle and the tire's flat, how am I going to show up? And how am I going to contain myself so that I'm my best self, right? So that's setting intentions. And it's just visualizing your day. What do I have to do today? And what's on my plate? And how do I want to do it, right? And so that's, just think about that. You do attention exercise and you set your intentions, you can inhale five minutes. It'll go by so fast. I love that. It's um, like the tension intention. It's like a kind of, yes. it's a nice little Ooh. flow to it. I like that. It's yes. The yes. Yes. I like that. <laughs> and so the, the other tool, if you're, if for folks who are looking for a tool, I recommend if you, if you visit spirajefferson.com, there is a download that you can get that gives you a mnemonic I call FEETS, F-E-E-T-S. And FEETS is just an easy way to remember what do I have to do? So F stands for find a spot, find a spot in your home where you can sit every day and then close your eyes and then set your, you know, pick a topic and then you sort of breathe through it, but they're easy hacks that can help you get going. And so that's what I recommend for anybody who's getting started. Just sit down, set your alarm, start with some breathing, and then do something as simple as set your intentions. I love that. So we all, like we were talking earlier, we all have a lot of tension in in us, especially as indie authors or as authors in general. Do you have anything in specific for anxiety and like just being able to, like if you're in an anxious moment, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed or whatever. Do you have any tips for people who are looking to just like get centered again? Should they start with attention intention or is there something else, any other tips that they can do in that moment? Yes. So I always recommend starting with the tension intention, start with the tension exercise, because especially if you're stressed, right? Being able to just sit down and breathe through it and sort of gather yourself is really important. The thing that changes with uh, the way that I teach meditation for those five minutes is what do you do after you have done your tension exercise? And so what I recommend for people who are really stressed is, and you can do this anytime because most of us, you know, you might not wake up stressed, but stress sort of, you know, ticks up over the course of the day. And what I would say is if you, let's say you're in a situation where let's say you're in the middle of a meeting and you can feel yourself getting worked up or you're in the middle of a conversation, a crucial conversation, or this is, you know, you're getting ready to walk into the presentation of your life and you are like, oh my gosh, I'm stressed. I I feel like, you know, kind of nauseous. This is a good exercise to do. And what it is, is you take five minutes. And it's fine to say, hey, can we have a five-minute bathroom break? So now you got your five minutes, run to the restroom. Bathroom stalls are a great place to do meditation (laughs) when you have no place else. And you just want to be still where nobody's going to be walking by, like what you do. Nothing, go away. You're worse than my kids. (laughs) Go away, go away. But you, you sit down in that five minutes, you do your, your initial tension exercise, that's going to help immediately. Because when you are truly focused on your breath, it's really hard to be scared. But then the next thing you do is what I call rafts, because we love mnemonics, R-A-F-T-S, rafts. And these are not like 
Feats is mine. I invented that as a way to teach people how to meditate, but a lot of my techniques are not invented by me. They're actually drawn from the annals of psychology <laughs> and nice. others who have done the research and provided these things. But RAFS is the idea that this is what you do when you're, when you're really tense or when you're experiencing like very difficult emotions. You're really angry. You're really frightened. And so the R stands for recognize, right? So just recognize that this is what's here. Anger is here right now. Anxiety is here right now. And the reason that's so important is because oftentimes we try to squash our negative feelings or feelings that we think of as negative. So recognizing it and giving voice to it is the first step in taming that anxiety, right? So that's the R. And the A is accept it. How many times have you thought yourself to yourself, I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be feeling like this. And so you try to sort of muscle your way through it. So the A is just accept it. I am anxious. I am fearful. I am afraid. I am, you know, I am, I'm afraid I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to totally make a fool of myself. Whatever the issue is, just accept that this is my emotion in this time. And then the F is really just, you know, sit through it and figure out what's really happening in this moment. Is it really fear or is it something else? Because sometimes the, the initial emotion is masking something else, right? Uh, maybe it's really anxiety. Maybe it's really jealousy. Maybe it's really, you know, worry. Maybe it's really, you know, insecurity. Maybe it's something else. And so the T gets to tease apart what's really happening for you. And then the S is sit with it. Let it just be there, right? Don't try and squash it because the more you do that, the more you carry it. But if you just allow it to be and you just allow yourself to experience it without like holding on to it, then it can sort of float by like clouds in the sky and you let it dissipate that way. So that is an effective way of dealing with, you know, super anxious or, you know, lots of tension or super negative emotion that you're just sort of struggling with on a day-to-day basis. And you can do that anytime. I love that so much. And I think that that's really helpful too, because I think a lot of us, like you said, when we have those emotions that maybe we don't overly like about ourselves, whether they're anxious or they're angry or they are fearful or jealous or whatever. It's like, we think that we have to just like pretend they don't exist. But when we do that, have you ever read the book feelings buried alive, never die. It's that same kind of concept where it it like just hovers in you. And until you release it and deal with it, it's going to keep you down from doing the things obviously that you want to be doing. And so you have to look at those and accept them, like you said, and and let them kind of be the thing that they're, they're there for a reason, they're guideposts. And so you have to like accept them for what they are for a bit and then, and then move through them rather than stuffing them down. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to get that book. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's a really great book. I originally bought it. It was so funny because I bought it for my dad because um, we suffered the loss of my brother when he was, I think, 31. He was born with a brain tumor. And so we knew at some point he probably wouldn't have a full lifespan, but we didn't know how long. And he struggled very much with that whole process. So the book was originally for him, but of course, being the reader that I am, I had to re- read it as well. It's, and it's a fantastic yeah. read. It's so good. Okay. So where can my listeners go if they want to learn more about you and everything that you're doing? Give, go ahead and give me your website or wherever you want me to send them. And I will make sure that they are also linked in the show notes. Oh, sh- uh, sure. So my suggestion is start at spewitjefferson.com. And you can also type in mindfulin5.com. They take you to the same place. Uh, That is sort of the hub of everything in the Mindful in 5 ecosystem. There are, uh, there's, you can get signed books from the website. You can get paraphernalia. I have lots of things that I like to use uh, to remind myself to be present in the moment. Like every time I get to the gym, I put on my hat. And it reminds me to be mindful or I pick up my mindful and five pen. It reminds me to be present in the moment. So they can start at the website. They can also follow me on Instagram. I've sort of gravitated towards Instagram for the 
day-to-day sorts of things. And um, so I'm I'm experimenting. I'm I'm doing Saturday morning live guided meditations, five-minute meditations on Instagram live. So if anybody wants to like sit with me, then follow me at Mindful and Five on Instagram. But if you go to the website, you will find in the footer, you will find all the links to the social media. You will find the real-time updates to the podcast, as well as the, uh, I call them pod videos. Sometimes when I do podcasts, I record videos too. And so that is the place. And then you can sign up to have them delivered directly to your inbox. When I do them right now, they're weekly. I think I'm going to take off for the summer. (laughs) But for those of you who don't want to chase them down, um, that's the place. And then you can also sign up for the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or you can say, um, oh, I have to unplug her before I say it. Uh, You can say, Alexa, play the Mindful in Five podcast. (laughs) She will. (laughs) And the mine will start going off. (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's sort of the the start there, and you can do all the things and get free downloads for the book and check it out and absolutely all of the other things. Yeah, I will make sure there are links to all of these things too at uh, authorrevolution.org. Well, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you joining us and giving my listeners even more in depth reasons as to why mindfulness and meditation is so important and how to be able to fit it in when there's obviously already have such busy lives. Thank you. Well, and thank you for having me. And I have to say, Carissa, I have been admiring your own symbol back there. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's beautiful. Is it always up there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. Well, see, it was, it was when I learned how to meditate that I recognized what that was. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I I love, I love, I don't know, all sorts. I'm also a Reiki master. And so for me, I like the energy work of it. And I like, I've always been interested in mindset and I don't know, the new age vibes of some of these things, new age, old age. I don't know. They're both the same in my opinion. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, I, I, to that point, just very quickly, I feel like there are so many people who feel like meditation is like this Eastern mystic new agey thing. And for all of you who, especially for the Christians, uh, if you all think that, I would encourage you to go find your Bible and just run a search for how many times it tells you to meditate. And uh, yeah, and so one of my goals was to create, you know, Mindful in Five, the, the, the first one that's out is what I call the classic edition. But then there's also the God Lovers edition that's coming out for people who want to center their meditation around their who want to do like a God-centered meditation practice. And so it really is for everybody, regardless of your spiritual mindset. Absolutely. Well, especially when you think that, you know, mindset itself is really more of a secular thing anyway. It's all about understanding yourself. And like you said, letting letting yourself be able to set intentions through some of the meditations as well, whether it be connecting to your deity of choice or whether it be connecting to whatever your, your next step is, or all of those different ways, there's so many avenues to be able to do mindset work and to do meditation work and to work and play in the energies of it, that it's totally for everybody. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute delight, Carissa. I am so glad that you were here. Thank you. (laughs) Isn't Speedway amazing? I don't know what it is. It's her energy and the way she just I don't know. She's just so enthusiastic about everything. And I loved just being able to be in her presence and kind of hear from her how mindset and being mindful has helped her develop her techniques to develop her writing career. And hopefully some of the tips that she gave you will also help you in being able to manifest your author career in the ways that you're really looking for. So again, I want you to make sure that you're heading out to Amazon or to her website to be able to get a copy of her book, Mindful in Five. It's such a fantastic book. And she get, she truly does give some really great tips and how to do it in a way that is easier rather than, you know, trying to feel like you're forcing yourself to do the thing, right? All right. So if you want to get a quick and easy link out to her website or to get her book at any of the other places, you know, like Amazon or whatnot, you can always head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 127. There will be links right there as always, and you can get the transcript as well. 
I hope you are having a wonderful writing week. Hopefully you kicked off April with maybe a Camp Nano deal. Hopefully you're doing something that is benefiting you and helping you to go forward and really develop your author career in a way that's going to benefit you this year. Because my friend, the first quarter of 2022 is already over. So it's time for us to be working more on the next set of books. So if you've been following Rapid Release Roadmap, you know that you'd be moving on to book two of the year. That is actually exactly what I'm doing. I'm in the process of writing Midlife Wolf Pack. And thanks to one of my Rapid Release Roadmap students, you know who you are. Hopefully you're listening. (laughs) I have joined Camp Nano. It's not something that I typically join, but it is something that I recommend if you're needing a little bit of extra help or a little bit of extra motivation to continue forward with your author career or with your book in the middle of the year. So it's very similar to normal NaNoWriMo. The only difference is that you are actually kind of choosing what you want to be working on. You could be doing editing, you could be doing outlining, you could decide like myself, I only did 35,000 words is my goal for this month rather than the 50,000 words. That's because I have other things that I'm working on. I'm doing the audiobook for Curse Legacy. And I am getting ready for the Millionaire Author Challenge, which my friends is going to be epic. I hope you are joining and hopefully you have already signed up. But if not, make sure you are putting that on the calendar. It's April 18th through the 22nd. And you can get signed up over at millionaireauthorcoach.com forward slash challenge. I have been working on it all morning, so it's on my mind. (laughs) But overall, I hope April is starting off very well for you, and I hope you are excited to get moving on your author career. And I thank Speedway for being a part of this podcast episode. So go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.